Our gospel today is from the 20th chapter of the Gospel according to St. John. It's printed in your announcement, should you want to read along, or simply to close your eyes and listen. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. God of light and mystery, God of presence, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that you call us into community. We give you thanks that you call us to be sisters and brothers. So we pray, your Holy Spirit, upon the reading and hearing of these ancient words, that we might enter into them as they enter into us. And I would pray that the words of my reflection would be like a window with a blind open, so that your Spirit can speak to us in the way that your Spirit wills. In the power of your many names, we pray with thanks. Amen. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the authorities, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw that it was Jesus. He said to them again, Peace be with you. As God has sent me, so I send you. When he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who is called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the rabbi. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails, in my hand, in his side, I will not believe. A week later, Jesus' disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My rabbi and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and through believing, you may have life in his name. May God speak to us through these ancient words and to many a familiar story. You know, I don't know about you, but I absolutely love change when it happens to other people. <laughs> when it happens to me, not so much, even though I, I might like to believe otherwise. Well, today's gospel, we meet Thomas. Thomas is known in the Western Church as Doubting Thomas and in the Eastern Orthodox Church as Believing Thomas. Regardless, believing, doubting, we are all like Thomas. Yearning to believe, yet doubting what might be right in front of us. Yearning to believe and maybe doubting what we already know to be true. We hover this season, but really our lives, between Easter and Good Friday. 
having glimpsed the resurrection but still wondering if this is too good to be true since we live so often in a crucifying Good Friday world. We've seen accomplishments and successes. We're bombarded, bombarded with social media and images of airstrikes and refugees, and we wonder, what is real? What do we believe? We want change, or so we say, but do we? It's fine, thank you very much for someone else. But for us, change is usually difficult. It's into this world, our world, that Jesus walks into those in-between spaces, those in-between spaces of doubt and faith and life and death and certainty and uncertainty even when our doors are padlocked. It's into this world, our world, that we have to come face to face with our doubts and our faith, our doubts and our belief. Today is the third Sunday of Easter, and if Easter is about anything, it's about change. It's about the space between death and life. Good Friday and resurrection, comfort and brokenheartedness. Reminds me of a poem entitled Fire by Judy Brown. Some of you have heard me recite this a number of years ago. What makes a fire burn is the space between the logs, a breathing space. Too much of a good thing, too many logs. Packed too tight can douse the flames almost as surely as a pail of water would. So building fires requires attention, the spaces in between as much as the wood. When we are able to build open spaces in the same way, we learn to pile on the logs, then we come to see how it's the fuel or the absence of the fuel together that makes the fire possible. We need only lay a log lightly from time to time, a fire grows simply because the space is there with openings in which the flame knows just what it needs and wants to burn as it finds its way. Susan Piver, in The Wisdom of a Broken Heart, explores questions of how to live an authentic life in the midst of change and brokenheartedness this in-between place. A broken heart is the undercurrent of our gospel this morning. Why else would Thomas have asked something so outrageous? Unless I see the mark of nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of those nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. These are clearly words of a person in deep grief. His heart was too broken to trust, his sorrow too fragile to be open to change his perspective, to see things differently. So he speaks of outrageous things, putting his fingers in the marks of Jesus' hands and his hands in Jesus' side. Really? Counterpoint to this is the psalmist who reminds us of what we read earlier, how good and how pleasant is earth for kindred to dwell together in unity. It's like oil running down our cheeks 
It's where we find strength and comfort and discover shared wisdom as we share our pain and our broken hearts with one another. Community, my friends, is that space between the reality of our lives. This is why the disciples were huddled behind locked doors, finding comfort for their broken hearts. When has your heart been broken? Either through a loss of a loved one, a breach of a trust, a shattered dream, a hurt word, a discovery about another that you wish you didn't know. We've all been there and we'll be there again. When our hearts are broken open either through love or grief or both, we gather with others. It's what human beings do. The disciples were where they needed to be, where they had to be, with each other. How good and how pleasant it is for kindred to dwell together as one. This is what the disciples were seeking, and this is what we seek. Community, safety, comfort. It's what we do when we grieve. I was reminded of the poignancy again of this this past week when 80 or so of us gathered here on Thursday morning to remember the life of Ken Morris's mother, Shirley Bromell. In community, tears are shed. In community, laughter is shared. In community, memories are honored. And in community, we hear our names called and we know we belong. What happens when someone calls our name? We usually stop, turn, and respond. Knowing someone's name and speaking it with tenderness is one way that love is communicated. I believe this is what happened when Jesus came into that room and appeared the second time saying, peace be with you. It was almost as if Jesus was speaking to each individual disciple, follower in that room, individually, saying, peace be with you, Mark. Peace be with you, Bartholomew. Peace be with you, Mary. Peace be with you, Matthew. Peace be with you, Delaney. Peace be with you, Tim. Those words transform the disciples' hearts and Thomas's as well. For into their confusion, into their brokenness, Jesus' presence not only offered hope, but the challenge to change the world. Now remember, their teacher, their rabbi, their friend was dead. Even though they had heard from the women that he had risen, the men, being slow as we are, couldn't wrap their heads around the truth of what the women said. And they were afraid that the temple authorities were after them because they wanted to silence all of Jesus' followers. So it was into that fearful place that Jesus enters, saying, peace be with you. And Jesus 
enters into our hearts in the same way when we are in those fearful, unfamiliar, uncomfortable places, saying, peace be with you. And sometimes the message comes as comfort and embrace. Sometimes the message comes as doom. A story I was just telling Gail this past weekend, I was up in Seattle seeing my mother who will be 96 in two weeks. And she's not doing well. And I just found out that she has second stage kidney disease, which no one had ever mentioned to me before. So I was talking to the head of assisted living, a wonderful woman, Eugenia, from Siberia. And we walked into her office, and it was very cold in Seattle that particular day. The window was wide open, and the fan was on. And John, my partner, said, can we shut the window? And she said, I'm from Siberia. This is hot. <laughs> so we were talking about my mother's condition. And I asked a question that either was not clearly articulated from my perspective or was not clearly heard from hers. Um, I asked a question that she perceived me saying, when is my mother going to die? And her response was, into my grief, there's no expiration date on human beings. <laughs> I started laughing. So that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, what's the progression of this disease? And she said, oh, 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 what is, she told me that. But that little humorous exchange lightened my spirit and John's spirit as we are companioning my mother in these, these days of her lives. It's as if Jesus came into that cold office, speaking through that Siberian woman, saying, peace be with you. Peace be with you. These words brought comfort to the disciples. Peace be with you. These words empowered the disciples. Peace be with you. These words brought salve to the disciples' broken hearts. And then after peace be with you, he added, as God has sent me, so I send you. Now, the disciples didn't get this at first, and neither do we. But what Jesus was saying through these words, and then the words that followed received the Holy Spirit, was that they must be to the world what he was to the world. Meaning, we must be to the world what he was to the world. Bringing hope to the hopeless, life to the lifeless, bringing justice where injustice reigns, bringing love where violence threatens. This all happened in and grew out of community. For to be in community requires an open heart, a trust, an ability to rely on one another, and this is one of the gifts of the Easter message. In community, we find the strength to heal. In community, we find the strength to be transformed. In community, we find the strength to change. In community, we open ourselves to trust, to believe, to find faith. And this is where we are. This is where we live. For the Easter message, the message of the church, and the underbelly of you, if you will, of these texts, 
is that something happens in community, in that in-between space where we are empowered and find the strength to say, I believe, I trust, I love, I follow. I believe that is why we're here this morning. We are in this in-between place where we find a new way to live. In community, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together as one, as we heard saying. In community, we find the strength to embrace the change that surely comes, whether we asked for it, wanted it, or accept it or not. It comes because we're human beings and we're alive. For me, the importance of Jesus' life and message is that no matter what, we are loved. No matter what, we belong. No matter what, we are enough. No matter what, we matter. And regardless of the change that comes and the heartbreak that we will endure, Jesus enters into our lives, maybe through a Siberian nurse, calling us by name, saying, Peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit and be about transforming the world. May this be so.